Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bright Time. This episode features me interviewing my friend Paul. Paul and I met in college when I was a junior and he was entering as a freshman. And in the 25 plus intervening years, I've probably seen Paul only a handful of times, certainly less than five, uh, but it hasn't stopped us from remaining really good friends with a lot of great memories of college together. Uh, Paul and I uh, went on road trips, were in the fraternity together, parties, did a lot of uh, a lot of really great and memorable things together. And now here I was sitting across from Paul all these years later, and you know he's an adult. He's a he's a lawyer, um, and we talked about during the podcast his career as a lawyer and what he's doing now, which is very interesting as commissioner of jurors for Ulster County. So uh, we went back through memory lane, updated to what Paul's doing these days, and this is one of my more fun podcasts I think it will be for you too. Paul's a great guy. I think you're going to enjoy him. And without further ado, I bring you Paul. Hey, Paul, welcome to the show. Well, hi, Brian. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I just want to bring everybody into the loop here. Uh, we are in Kingston, New York, at Paul's house, which is like a loft space right near the water. Like This is kind of like, it's like the friend's apartment in Kingston. Am I right about that? Uh, uh, no, but uh, it's, I'm glad that you wanted to take the... the the road show traveling and and you brought Tim with you, which is always a pleasure. Yeah, so so Tim's here. This is an unusual thing for the podcast. We have Tim. He's like you're going to be a sidekick today, right? I I will be the sidekick today, exactly. Baba booey, baba booey. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so so you Paul was going to come down to my house. I said he couldn't. So Tim and I said we'll come up to you, and you're hosting us. And here we are. Here we are. So, Paul, what do you? I know you're a listener of the podcast. What do you think so far? I love it. I, I love it. What, what do you love about it? <laughs> well, you know, it's seeing this whole other side of your life. Although I have to tell you that my favorite, unquestionably, it was with you and Tim. It, it brought me back to being in college, a freshman in college. And, uh, you know, I, I think that you guys should have more than just the one. You, There's more material there. You you think we should? I think you even said that you think we should just move in together. And yeah, just... I don't know why you're not. <laughs> I, I think I, I have no it's I have no comprehension whatsoever of why you guys aren't still rooming together. <laughs> well, why aren't we? Uh, I don't know. We graduated and we kind of went our separate ways. But... Well, you you split up with me because I graduated and you stayed in Binghamton, and I always felt like I missed out because he stayed. You knew this. He he stayed an extra semester. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yes. He, he must not have ever called me in that semester because I was also there. <laughs> and on the drive up, I asked, have you ever been to Paul's house when he moved off campus that semester? And you said no, right? I, I remember going to that house once because you live with Zalta. Yes. Yes. It was a, a really big house. Mm-hmm. And what I said to Brian on the way up was, I remember going to that house and it was kind of weird because it was so old. That, that house was so big and so old. And I just remember going upstairs and there was one hallway that was literally like a 45-degree angle. Like, it was just, it was crazy. It was like Willy Wonka's factory. Exactly. <laughs> it got smaller that, and smaller. That was quite a place. By the end of, you know, we had furniture for the first, like, three months. By the end of the three months, we had 
nothing that you couldn't put on a keg. <laughs> and we did have a coal tap, <laughs> which we started out with a garbage can to, to collect the overflow. Some that was lost quickly, so the overflow just went on the floor. So there's always a puddle. Yeah, I mean that's but that's normal in college, right? Yeah, it was it was, it was nice. It was yeah. a good place. You had that place for two years. Two years. Okay. Two. So you had two years of college experience, and I wasn't there for it. Yes. Maybe. Although just, you did visit a couple times. I did, but I was mostly just <clears> chasing a lease, and I only think I saw you once or twice. Yeah, and you know what? I don't. I never met a lease. I, that's right. I, I think I met her once when you came up for a dinner here. About five, six it's years ago. It's almost as if you're keeping me away. I, well, you, I, or her away from me. People can't see. This is the, the weakness of a podcast. Paul is a very handsome man. He always has been. And if you have a wife that you love, you're not going to bring Paul and introduce her. I mean, that's just Agreed. stupid. Agreed. Yeah, yes. So, so, yeah, that's not an accident. But we, we got to do this more often. Yeah, but I think the you first— You guys are wonderful. I, I hadn't <laughs> seen you for 25—approximately 25 years— until Jack and I, Jack, who will be on the podcast, we double dated in New Paul's where you lived up until recently, uh, a few years ago, and you came and visited us, and you saw Elise. That's right. And you saw Jack's, and Jack's wife. Yeah. Any, any thoughts about <clears> it? <throat> They're both very nice people. What did you think of me and Jack when you saw us? It had been many years. I thought you were both, you looked very similar to when <laughs> I'd last seen you. Okay. So I wonder why Tim wasn't with you. Why weren't you with us? I'd asked you a bunch of times, and you, you couldn't come a bunch of times, right? I was kind of busy. <laughs> I was very busy that weekend. If I recall, um, I had a foosball tournament that I had to practice for. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, all right, let, let's, let's, we've kind of jumped ahead. No one knows who Paul is. They just know that I know Paul. You know Paul, Tim, from college. But who is Paul? Who is Paul? Who is Paul? <laughs> so I'll tell you. I'll start you off. I know who Paul. Paul's a guy who grew up in New Paul's, New York, which for us Long Islanders, in your case, Tim, and Bronx and Westchester people, that was upstate New York to us. So you, I won't say you're a hick or anything in our perspective, but to us, you were kind of way out there. We thought you might be wearing overalls in New Paul's, but it's not like that, is it? No, it isn't like that. And, but I was, I was treated much like a hick. Uh, during the years of Binghamton. But yeah, no, New Paltz was, you know, right, I mean, now New Paltz is really a bedroom community for Manhattan. Is but it, people really commute? Yeah. Wow. People live there. A lot of people can work remotely. How, how quick can you get to Manhattan from here, from New Paltz? Less than two hours. Huh? So it's direct, and it's, it's a, you know, it's a, an exit off the New York State Thruway. But at the time you were bus. growing up? No, it was, when I was growing up there, it was a, a, a very strange mixture of hippies who had gone to SUNY. There's a SUNY New Paltz there, which oh, is oh, oh. which was an art major college kind of when I was growing up. So a lot of hippies who had, the 60s had just stayed. Oh, and then Woodstock had just stayed, right? Yeah, we're right next to Woodstock. <laughs> and blue-collar workers, like my father. Were the factories? Uh, no, there were no factories. Well, what did your dad do? My father was an iron worker. So there were iron working? Well, the iron workers travel all over... Is that right? Yeah. They I didn't know that. I mean, you go to where the bridge is. So, so, so if you're an iron worker and you have that, that trade and that skill, and they're going to build a bridge up in Albany, you're going to go up. Yeah, you travel. Is or you right? build skyscrapers or things like that. So you go wherever the Was he is. one of the guys in that Empire State Building thing sitting on that beam? He wasn't on that, <clears throat> that beam, which was, I think that picture was from the 1930s. Yeah, I knew that. <clears throat> yeah. But <laughs> he, that's what he did. I don't know if you have any siblings. <clears throat> Two. Younger or older? Uh, one younger, one older. 
Um, what genders are they? They're both male. Like you. Like me. There were three boys, <laughs> yes. That, you know, I'm three boys. <clears throat> I do know that. And I'm the oldest. I'm the middle. How is that like? Is that, that explains a lot, actually, now. Maybe. My brother, Adam, who was the middle brother, it was a Hellraiser growing up. And as we're <clears> going to get into doing the podcast, as much as the podcast form, format permits, you were, you were kind of a Hellraiser, too. Yes, I, I definitely had middle child syndrome, I think. <clears throat> are you still suffering from it? Probably. We are who we are, right? <laughs> no. And when I was growing up, I was really small. Uh, I was 4'11 as a freshman in high school. I was probably 5'5 five, five the beginning of my senior year, and I was maybe 5'10 the end of my senior year. So I was always very small. And to, and to be, end up being 6'7 as you are now... Yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. <laughs> My younger brother is six seven, actually. Is it, are you, you're not joking? Wow. Wait, Paul. Paul is what? Six I'm feet six, tall. I'm six six feet six one. Are you, are you shrinking yet? Like I am? Probably. Okay. You have a six seven. I'm six seven. Yeah. Does he beat you up? No, but I beat him up mercilessly when we were growing up. Because you <clears> have <throat> the the older brother advantage. Mentally. Uh, no, he'd probably beat me up now. I I did have that for many years. Did you take advantage of it? Oh, absolutely. I made, his, he, I made I, his life miserable. I know you talked on some of your podcasts about what you did with your brothers. Yeah. Listen, that's your job as, as an older brother. <laughs> that's is what I was to, trying to say. to beat up your... To, to, tough, make, to toughen them up. Toughen them up and make them Tough realize life. that the world is not fair. My brother beat me up. <laughs> him and his friends beat me up mercilessly. And is that probably what? one of the better things that happened to me. Why is that? It, may, it makes you tough. You are pretty tough. <laughs> uh, I like to think so. Has your six, seven younger brother ever repaid the favor? No, but he's, you know, there's a seething resentment and, and anger. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and I, now I appease that. Yeah, that's right. Oh, <clears throat> how do you appease it? Uh, I stay away. <laughs> I stay out of gravity. No, no. You know, that, that's part of growing up. It's not, you know, everybody does that. I think my brothers and I fought nonstop until we were in college. I never knew you were part of three brothers like yeah. I was. Yeah, yeah. I just it's just natural. Yeah. Did, did, we didn't. I, it, I mean, I became friends with my older brother probably the end of college. My younger brother was even much later. But so. you're you're friends with him now. Yeah. Since you heard my podcast with my brothers, and you heard probably the story about me spit torturing my brother. I mean, I thought that was fairly mild big brother behavior. What's your What's your take on that? I think that's almost mandatory, Big Brother. <laughs> <clears throat> that that you know that's that's that that's, that's part of of, of, the of growing up. Is it? Yeah. All right, let's we're, we're getting yeah, we're, we're getting, getting we're talking about things that you, your listeners. I know you have them. I heard you have well, them. in Germany. Yeah, <laughs> Hitler's grandson is one of our lis- <laughs> listeners. Very interesting. interesting. <laughs> so, all right, so you grew up in New Paltz. Grew up in New Paltz, and then you went to Binghamton. Went to Binghamton. So you were just telling me that you think that when you took a tour of Binghamton before you actually uh, student there, you might have toured. I believe and seen I, me into yes. And, you know, for your many listeners out there, I'll explain. Binghamton was, it wasn't the biggest school. It wasn't the smallest school. In my mind, it was kind of in the, the number of like, I'm thinking 13,000. I may be incorrect, but that's what I get. It's, it's big enough where if everybody was kind of lumped together, you wouldn't really get to meet a lot of people. So did that, you know people from Himmon, for example, a different residential no, Neither did I. No. So yeah. Binghamton was broken up into really, into four sets of dorms. And each set of dorms had a, a dining hall and five dorms. 
So it was kind of broken up into four separate colleges. And so you knew everybody in your set of dorms, at least by sight, but you wouldn't know any of the other the people in the other dorms. You might meet them in class, but not too much. You spent most of your time in your kind of set of dorms. And he, it sounds kind of limiting, <clears throat> like, as, as you say. Like, it was really Shenango. We were in a dorm called Shenango. I didn't know a lot of people from other dorms. No. You're right. Well, not only that, you certainly didn't know any people in the other sets of dorms. There was Newing, where we were. We were in Shenango Hall in Newing. Then there was College in the Woods, there was Hinman, and there was Dickinson. So they were, those are the four sets of dorms, and each really had a personality. Yeah. You know, one was the party dorm, one party. Was, so was the ours. Yeah, Newing. Hinman was the suites, yeah. and they were supposed to be insular, right? They just yeah. stayed in the suites. <clears throat> Dickinson had a reputation for being the weird people were there, which is... The study. Probably, they had very like studious, yeah. yeah. That, that's probably very unfair. We, we, I didn't know anyone really from Dickinson, and... Uh, well, Dickinson was strange because you had all the foreign exchange students. One of the dorms was 24-hour quiet, and they put all the foreign that? exchange students in there. And then you put the wrestling team. And the <laughs> wrestling right? team, those if, guys if, were crazy. If, those guys were absolutely if insane. If your roommate Russ, who <clears throat> wrestled in high school, is any indication, yeah. they're nuts. Yeah. yeah. So it was a strange yeah. grouping. But So we were in one of those sets of dorms, Newing, and we lived in Shenango Hall. So when I was going to college, I... In my mind, I was going to Penn State. I wanted to go to Penn State, uh, so I wanted to go look at it, and I was with my mother. We were going to look at Penn State, and she wanted to look at, at Binghamton. I said, we can stop anywhere. I don't care. Which I'm is probably half State. the price of Penn State. Yeah. The reality is I couldn't afford to go to Penn State That's anyway. Right. But So we're going to, to Penn State. She wants to stop at Binghamton. I said, I don't care. I'll, you can stop wherever you want. I'm going to Penn State. So we stop at Binghamton. It's a sunny, nice day. We go in, you know, a student will take you on tour. And this, the student who took me on tour lived in Shenango Hall and lived actually on the third floor, which is where we live. Yeah, and let me just add that I'm two years older than you, as is Tim. So we, Tim and I were freshmen. You were still a junior in high school. So you're two years behind no, us. No, this was my senior year, so you would have been a sophomore. Okay, but we're two years ahead of you. Yes. Okay, so um, So we go on this tour, and he takes us through Shenango and takes us to the third floor. Which Just by coincidence, you tour Shenango. By coincidence. and But, it, you know, in that set of dorms, that newing, there's like a little field by the dining hall. So people are playing Frisbee. They're playing football. There's kegs. I mean, it's like a huge party. And I'm thinking, this is this is pretty cool. <laughs> I can go here. And we go into the the... Uh, we go into the dorm. We go through some of, you know, we go on to Shenango Third. We're walking around. I know I went into your guys' room because I know what your room, which your room was. And <laughs> so we walked in, and you know, you were, you guys were doing whatever and jumping around. Nothing, and, nothing normal or <laughs> impressive. I remember you guys were giving the the tour guide a hard time. <laughs> And I didn't know until the next year when I went there that the tour guide was, you know, a guy you deserved it. Let me say, I'll say that because you met him on your floor. Yeah, I, you know, that day I thought he was the greatest guy in the world. So, <laughs> so we went to Binghamton. It was, you know, was, so wait, were you convinced from that tour Binghamton was the school for you? Or well, what right? happened was I went to Penn State the next day. It's a rainy day. They put us on buses. They all they told us was that you couldn't drink underage. Uh, so I said, you know what, I'm going to Binghamton. And those, what two, I, those two guys in that room looked like great guys. They did look like great guys. And that was really, that was what sold me. But, you know, I said, that looks like a fun and place. I'm going to go there. What I didn't know is that 
in Binghamton, it rains every single day. You get two nice days a year, and when you do get a nice day, people go crazy. I hit it on a nice day. Yes. Whereas Penn State, it's sunny every day. Yeah, and, people, and they're going crazy every other day. When it rains, they go inside. Uh, so I went to Binghamton, but I never regret Sorry. it. It was a wonderful place to go. I ended up on Shenango Third, just as a... It was just kind of a fluke. Down the hall from us. Down the hall from you guys. And I, because I remembered, I, I remember the room we went in because your room was right at the end of the hallway. Yeah. And, you know, and we became friends. Do you remember first seeing Tim? I don't. I, that would be memorable, I would think. It is. I don't remember the first time I met you, either of you guys, but you both have played a significant part in my life. How so? And what, what, what most obvious way well i was really just saying that for your podcast no. No, you guys were great guys you guys were juniors when i was a freshman we were very and big men on campus types you looked up to us right yes yes that's exactly, <laughs> it's exactly you know it's, it's funny because as i said that the, the sets of dorms each had kind of a personality um each floor in I, some of those dorms had a personality you're right that's true. so our the third floor we were on was really kind of a a collection of of characters. Yeah, I guess that's the best word to that, say. That's true. There were characters. Who were some of the characters that you remember? You guys. R R A was Steve Mercanti. Uh, he was a character. Yeah. You have Neller, Zolta, Russ Weiss. I mean, everybody. Hal and Jack. Everybody was. No <clears> one <throat> would fit into any clean category. You're right. These were these were. I won't say cartoon characters, but we were all you know what I think big was, personalities. There were big personalities. There were odd personalities, but I think it was really a floor where you could, you know, there was certainly no pressure to conform to any specific conduct. And had there been, you were not the type who would have conformed anyway. No, I, I don't. I certainly don't think I would have. Um, but you know, I'm sure we'll get into the fraternity aspect shortly, which was. R4, the third floor, and the second floor. And the second floor was, it was definitely different than the third floor. They were really nice guys. Um, they were all great. They were great guys. And if you walked into that dorm and you walked in the third, on the second floor, you know, you probably would meet some people and they'd invite you in their room and, and you'd have a beer and you'd probably leave with their phone number and, and want to get guys. together again. Yeah. <laughs> if you were on the third floor, you wouldn't have got a beer. If you got a beer, it was going to be in a funnel or... <laughs> You, you had just as much chance of getting punched in the face. You know, it was a whole different ball game. But, anyway, isn't that, but that just shows you it's a microcosm of life, right? Like, you know, everyone, you take these college tours, you, 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 you make a decision to go one direction or another, and just second floor to third yeah. floor, one wing of, of the floor yeah. was different from another. You know, you're going to get yeah. a whole different impression of what Binghamton was like. Yeah, and you know, know, it's wrong in most cases. And it's an interesting question of even, you know, the the personality of each set of dorms. Does that attract the people that are like that? Does that, do people conform to that because that's what the reputation is? Selection bias, that's right. So, so, let, I I mean, we could stay on, we could stay on college for a while and we should, but, and I have a whole bunch of like trips we went on. Well, we, we really should because, your other podcasts, you have some of these people have known you all of your life. Maybe they didn't go to college with you, and then they know you after. Uh, you've got people who you've known in college, and then you've known after. Me, 
<laughs> college is it. So we can, we can focus on Isn't that. Isn't that crazy? You and I, I graduated Binghamton in 1989. I visited Binghamton in 1990 to see Elise and try to woo her. I visited you in your house off campus because you were now a junior. And we, it was great seeing you again, but you were in a rush. So we didn't have time. And we don't have to get, we, maybe we'll get into why yeah, he was in Russia or not. We, we, we can. All right, well, so what? I remember coming in. I, I, I knock on your door. Paul, he's always happy to see me. I come in. We hug it out. And, but you kind of didn't have a, you seemed like frenetic. And you were, you were at the same time kind of packing a duffel bag. And I said, Paul, what's going on? I mean, it's been a year. What's, going, what's happening? So what was happening? Well, I, I, I'd I missed my family, <laughs> and I wanted to go home and see them. All right. I, I, I happen to know the story, so I don't think it was you missed your family. Something There was an altercation the night before, wasn't there? There was a fight, and I had to leave. Yeah, yeah. For a while. Yeah, so you were, you were packing your bags and getting out. Yeah, and it was too bad that maybe if you'd come the weekend before, we could have spent some time. I had no idea. I had no idea. But other than that... Timing. <laughs> timing is everything. Is everything. <laughs> timing is everything. What, dorm, what floor you're in the dorm is everything. But... After that one time, I don't think I saw you for 20 years. It, right? it had been, yes, it had been a very, very long time. And it, those were the saddest 20 years of my life because of that, by the way. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that because I feel, I feel the same. And listening to your podcast, one thing that has been difficult is you seem to have moved on. <laughs> uh, and I haven't. And I sit here and I look at pictures of us, of all three of us. <laughs> but speaking of which, you took out a photo album and you had all these pictures of me and Tim and yourself, of course, that I had never seen. It was like a gold mine of pictures. It, I, I, I'm so excited to well, and you know see what? That's one of the things when you talk about characters uh, and uh, that the third floor is full of characters. It really was. And you two were really top of the line there. How did, and you, how did you view us? When I. Listening to the podcast with Tim and listening to you do together, it just brought me back. And all the things that you guys did, you know, you loved Alf. Alf. We did love Alf. I mean, Alf was, I was trying to explain to my daughter, Alf, and she said, that sounds so stupid. And I said, yeah, you know what, I I can't even tell you that I've ever watched it, but you guys loved it. And I think it was on Monday night, and they just had a rule that it, when Alf came on, if you were in the room, that was fine, or if you were out of the room, that was fine. The door locked, and you, if you were in, you couldn't get out. If you were out, you couldn't get in until, uh, until Alf was over. 8.30. It, I mean, but I mean in thinking, looking back at it, it makes perfect sense to you now, right, that people would behave this way. You know... <laughs> I can't say that there's a show that I, I've ever been that attached to, except maybe Jersey Shore. But, uh, but it, you know, it, you guys are both very different and, and very the same. And, and you guys just played off each other. And I think that came out so well in, in the podcast. Would you agree that Tim is more of a character than I am? I'm a little straighter, you know, more, you know the straight guy. Isn't he the character? Well, you're both characters, first of all, but you, I think, you know, you'll adapt to different groups. Tim is who Tim is. If Tim doesn't like you, uh, you Tim will let you know that he doesn't like you. He, uh, uh, there's an honesty about him. Not that Tim is is a mean person in any way, shape, or form. In I think fact, he's being a little mean. Did you hear the story of what he did to me? We were driving up to visit you, 
and I asked Tim, was there ever a time where you and I were on the outs or we had some kind of fight? And he th- and he's got a great memory for all this college stuff. And he's like, there's one time, but I don't know if I want to tell you about it. I said, why not? He's like, I think you can get mad again. <laughs> so I said, you know, I doubt it. It's been 20, 30 years. I probably won't get mad. So tell me. So, Tim, what was that story? Well, if I have to tell you, I will. <laughs> 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 it was it was so stupid. I, I had this metal ruler, and for some reason, Brian was karate chopping it. And I said, do it again, do it again. And one time, I flipped it sideways so that he karate chopped the metal ruler in a way that he cut his hand, which I thought was funny at the time. <laughs> Although, I had, to clean the, I had to clean the blood off the rug later. <laughs> and he didn't talk to me for like two days after that. See, <laughs> Brian, I think you're the one being unreasonable in this situation. <laughs> well, but and I, I remember Tim's project. The I remember going in and Tim was working on something, and it was a two stick figures in a in a stick figure steel cage wrestling thing. <laughs> and it said, <laughs> "What glass was this?" You know, when you guys were talking, I in my mind, I seem to remember it being his final. For the cartography class. <laughs> and it said on the top, steel cage match, one man enters, two men leave. And I looked at it, and I'm thinking, what? And I said, Tim, what is this? And, I, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think he was saying it was his final. And I said, but, Tim, a steel cage match is two men enter, one man leaves. And he goes like, well, I can't change it now. I'm like, all right. And it is. <laughs> you know what he's talking about? It sounds familiar, but I, I don't think I got a, a very good grade in that particular class. Or, or, or any class? <laughs> or, you know, and I love the story in your podcast about the flipping the coin. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. That, that story, I promise you, is true. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think you, from listening just to you two go back and forth, you play off each other so well. And that was so much fun and just sitting there in your room. Just listening to you guys. So you actually enjoyed coming to our room just listening to us? It. I enjoyed it. Me and Tim? I enjoyed it very much. And, you know, that was the thing. I, you know, everybody was up for anything. You know, anything could happen on that floor. Anything yeah. could happen anytime, and it usually did. Yeah. You know, well, ceiling tiles getting knocked out. You know, <laughs> Steve Mercani, RRA, always telling us that, you know, he had he had lived on a, in another dorm on another floor that, he thought was the greatest so he'd always tell us how he'd always call us bastages and tell us that we were never as cool as the guys on broom second so you know of course we we knock we break all the ceiling tiles over how, his how door we doing now yeah and it was just it was a, it was a great time it was a great place um great people well you know i can't do this podcast with you unless i let the audience know that you were like the toughest guy in the dorm, by the way. And by tough, I mean, you know, Paul was not, would not shrink from a fight. Um, he would instigate a couple when, when, you know, it was appropriate. But Paul was, Tim, you, you could speak to this. I mean, Paul Yeah, Paul a, would never back down. I mean, it didn't matter how many guys there were, how big they were. He was always there, always ready to lend a hand. And he was the guy that you wanted with you if there was trouble. And by the way, that's coming from Tim who almost got me into a fight weekly, saying stupid <laughs> things to the biggest guys in the world. So, Paul, I mean... Tim well, definitely... 
what he would say around people as opposed to what he would say privately to you was the same you know and if you're in a group of of 50 guys who want to kill you he's gonna say you know look at that guy's hat but 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 you (laughs) but you i mean we kept tim out of trouble i mean we were always pulling you know guys off of tim but you were the guy who was going forward so uh well you know most people fight they don't fight that's they right. just kind of, you get in an argument and you get in each other's face. I, I was never like, if you were going to fight, we're going to fight. If there's a possibility we're going to fight, we're going to fight. Um, and in fact, most that of the time. That would surprise most people. Yeah, I was going to say, most of the time, most of those guys who th- were, didn't want to get in a fight found out they were in a fight only when they had your fist in their face. Which they should have known before. If you're going to start a fight, then you expect to be in a fight. Well, but the thing is, you, you know, you're six foot, six foot one, kind of a thin guy. You weren't at the gym a lot, were you? No right. offense. <laughs> I mean, you weren't a, a physically intimidating presence. No. So I don't think when people would, you know, have an altercation with you, they would think, this is a fight I should avoid. But it was a fight they should avoid because usually you were smart enough to be the guy to end the fight right at the beginning. Well, I think I probably had a Napoleon complex from being small most of my life. 4'11", apparently. And, but I, that was always kind of my personality when I was younger. But I also learned when I was younger, very early, that if, you know, because I was so small, that if somebody was going to, was going to try and bully me, it, it was going to be a mistake for them because I would just keep coming. It'd be like that bee. You know, you, you just leave the bee alone. I'm going to keep, you could beat me up, I'm going to come back with a stick. You could beat me up, I'm going to come back with a bat. And then like, people learn it's not worth it. So you, you got into your, a lot of scraps in high school? and Oh, yeah. I, you know. We, like I said, me and my brothers, we fought nonstop, well into college, and the neighborhood, you know, so we were always fighting. You were fighting with your brothers physically while you were in college? Yes. I don't know how my mother did it. I mean, you can't break up a fight. These are two adults pounding each other. One of them is eventually 6'7". Yeah. (laughs) Fortunately, he was, you know, more passive. People who who are big all the time, and he was. My older brother... They have nothing to prove. Yeah, my older brother was also like me. He was a a late bloomer and very small, but he's more of a, you know, he's definitely a a calmer person. Uh, I was definitely more driven, and my younger brother was always tall. Did so any no. of your fights result in somebody going to the hospital? Any any of the brotherly fights? No, no. Okay. And you know, mind you, there were certainly times where I got beaten up very badly. So it's not. You know, <laughs> well, that's 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 the nature. Well, you were not discriminating in who your adversary was. You would anybody was fair game, and as a result, you're gonna make yeah, some bad decisions. Sometimes you lose. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. One of Jay would always say he doesn't like in the podcast that I would talk about all the fights we got into only to hear that they never they petered out there was no yeah. punches thrown and with you we could probably do multiple fight stories but well and it's funny because we are we're in, in my apartment now so we're on the third floor in Kingston down by the river and across the street there now it's it's not there but there was this bar and I remember one night I was here, I just moved in, it was like a summer night, and I hear the windows are open and I hear yelling outside. <clears throat> so I look out the window and they see there's two huge guys out in the street. And they're in each other's face and they're jawing, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, this will be interesting to watch. And I'm watching for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. 
and, and they're just, for that long. Yeah, they're just they're just kind of joying and stuff. So I yell at the window. I'm like, "Come on, hit him!" <laughs> and they turn to me like, ah, start swearing at me. I'll come up and kick your ass. I'm like, "Kick my ass? What about that guy down there? I'm not the problem." <laughs> Nobody wants to fight. People don't. Guy, guy, and guys are kind of guys are kind of you know raised to like act that way, show that you know we we can be tough. But most people don't want to fight, right? Yeah, and I. When I was younger, I loved it. I, I mean, I absolutely loved it. I loved, I loved fighting, and so I did get in a lot of fights. Are you going to fight Tim tonight? I may, but Tim would, Tim would take me. Tim, I might. Tim, Tim, can, Tim can be a formidable foe. It would be one of those Special Olympics fights. Tim would be in his wheelchair because he's in, half invalid. You know, you're well, getting you're getting on. Paul said so. he hasn't fought in like I, I twenty don't, years, so see, I, I, I think I have an advantage. I'm, <laughs> those days are long, long beyond me. So, Paul, like, listen, a lot of people who knew you in college might have said, "This guy, you know, he's kind of crazy. He can he fights. You know, the, I, no one was voting Paul probably at that time. You know, most likely to succeed, most likely to you know the, to be some fancy guy. I knew you. I I, I guess I knew Paul well enough to know. He was a very sharp, smart guy. I just did. I mean, I don't know if you did too, Tim. Yeah, but- I did. I, I mean, I I didn't know that he would become, you know, the behemoth that he's become. <laughs> but 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 it, it was clear Paul was a smart guy, and you know, obviously we're just acting out, you know, brotherly and familiar issues. But and it turned out to be true because you went to law school. Why'd you go to law school? And I know the answer to this question. But it's the same answer for mine. But why'd you go to law school? I went by default. I had nothing else to do. <laughs> That's right. And you, I took the LSAT, and I, and I did well on it. And I was like, oh. You, My you, goal you, was you, to you, you crushed the LSAT, I think. You did really I did good. well. I did well. My goal was to buy a bar. I was going to work a couple of years and buy a so bar. So naturally, I, take the LSAT. Yeah. I had nothing else. What, what else was I going to do? Well, Just for the record, I also took the LSAT. Did you take the LSAT? I didn't do as well as Paul, though. Well, it's funny. I, you just took the LSAT at, at, at a whim because you didn't really know what you wanted to do as you were becoming a junior. And I came home some holiday uh, junior year, and my, my mom said, well, so what are you going to do? You're about to graduate in a year. I said, I don't know. I'll just go to some company and get a job. And she kind of, like, mocked me and said, that, that's, not, that's not, not a plan. Why don't you... At least, you know, maybe go to law school. So I signed up for the LSAT that day, and I took it too. So there was no desire to be a lawyer. No. I, I, there was nothing I wanted to be less than a, a lawyer. Who wants to be a lawyer? The only time I wanted to be a lawyer less than then <laughs> was when to... I became a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> then you realize I'm better. So you do well in the LSAT, and did you go to GW? I went to George Washington, yeah. Yeah, you went, to, which is a uh, yeah, top 25 law school, right? Yeah, it was a good school. Yeah, not not the Harvard of Long Island, which was Hofstra, where I went. <laughs> well, no, I mean, not everyone can go there, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> but you went, so you went to GW. Yep. I don't know any of your stories at law school. Let me quickly ask you, did you have a fun time, or was it just the books? Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I had a I had a good time. D.C. was, was a fun place. Um, you know, I had no money. So there was, you're limited in what you could do. But no, I had, I had a good time. Okay. And then you come out, first job out of law school. First job out of law school. How, wait, how'd you do in law school? Did you do okay? Yeah, I did very well. Okay. And then, but I got out and I just, I, there was no way I was going to be a lawyer. <clears throat> so I had friends living in North Carolina. I went down there and I, I was working part-time loading boxes on a, on a truck at a mail order uh, soccer 
sales company. You were able to get that kind of a job with a law degree? I, well, it was, it was probationary until I actually got the results from my bar. And then I would... So I was down there for a while until my loans started coming due. And then I realized, oh, geez, I'm going to have to... Get a job. I'm going to have to get a job. Real job. I'm going to have to be a lawyer. So I came back. I was actually on my way up to Albany. I, went, I was going to work up in Albany. And I stopped at the law firm in New Paltz, where the town I grew up, where I worked at, in summers. And, you know, they offered me a job and I stayed. And what firm was that? It was a fr- law firm called Harp and Harp. Um, so <laughs> so you, you, you eventually, I assume, that Harp and Harp let you do a few cases. And you actually well, I practiced there for about four years. And then I left and I opened up my own practice. I also, By the way, so you happen, opened up your own legal practice five years out of law school? Four years. Who I'm does proud. that? I did. Why do you think you knew enough about the law when mostly you knew about driving around New Poles that you could open your own practice? Oh, I didn't. But my entire <laughs> practice was premised on the belief that if I had to look up the law, I'd already lost that case. If I couldn't, you know, kind of bullshit my way through it, it was over. <laughs> so the law, you're right. You know, by the way, that's that's correct. I mean, right? I mean, yeah. It's, I, I think that, you know what you're. That's that's the funny thing, and you know, you know the people who do the best in life, and I'm not saying that I'm one of those people, but the people that I've known who've no done who've done the best, yeah. yeah, I didn't think so. Tim, no, Tim's not Tim's shaking his head. You can't see that. But <laughs> no. Are the people who can just who can who can deal with people? You know, those people who were in your co- your high school or your your college or law school that were the very very top, who you know, hey, maybe they can become professors, but nobody's going to hire them to represent them. No, you know you. What I tell people who are going to law school, and I don't know, it might be different in the city with the big firms. But I said, do you want to? And they watch all these law shows. I said, do you want to watch the most realistic law show? Night Court. That's yeah. what it is. You know, going in there. <laughs> that's what it was around here. We had the Night Courts. I when I was in just the district attorney's office. You it's know, a comedy. Yeah, so the, the public defender is meeting their client for the first time, and you know. so so you, you've moved the on to something else. So you were in Night Court as a what? I, yeah, I was also a part-time assistant district attorney. So. Yeah, and we were, we were talking about this beforehand, which I think is funny. So you, you're working at Harp and Harp, but in New Paltz, you can also be part-time prosecutor. Yes. I mean, that sounds like, you know... It's like you can't little, do criminal defense. That's like Little House in the Prairie. Like, you know, <laughs> Doc Baker on the side is, you know, doing his farm. That yeah. was you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Doc O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, so you were a prosecutor. I was a prosecutor. Yes, I was a prosecutor for fifteen years. Did you have a reputation at, at by the time you were finished? What if, if someone asked someone else about Paul O'Neill as prosecutor? What would they say about you? Um, they'd probably say he's re- he was reasonable. I, I was in a, one of the town courts, so we weren't handling felonies. We were handling misdemeanors and violations. So none of them were really, you know, there were some serious cases, and you handled them seriously. But a lot of them were. Cases that, honestly, by being able to communicate with people, you can resolve most of them, as you should. So we have to spend some time talking about your current job. So I'll just set it up, but you are the commissioner of jurors for an upstate New York county. Yes. How did that happen, and what's that about? Well... And I have a box of tissues if there's, if no, there's anything no. else. Um, I, you know, when I was practicing law, and then I had my own private practice. So as you know, as and as anyone who is an attorney knows, it's a terrible profession. 
and stress wise work stress hours hours you know you spend your day on the phone with clients other attorneys uh, so you do your work at night weekends early in the morning um, so I worked all the time and then which was fine and then I had a, a daughter so Alex Alex yep and who I, is how old now she's now 13 okay but so I missed the first three years of her life completely I missed everything you were just working, working you were in the office. Time. I was I was gone before she left, and I I came home when she was already in bed. So it was right around her third birthday, and it, it was just a fluke. I was home on a weekend morning, and the neighbor came by with uh, you know vegetables <laughs> from his garden, and they were very nice people, but we weren't overly close. It never happened to me when I was in the Bronx, by the way. With the well, that's vegetables. strange. That that should be because they've got farmers. You know, every, every deli uh, <laughs> you could buy. Tomatoes. <laughs> that's what kind true. of sick people did you live next to? <laughs> so they, they brought the carrots by or the yeah. tomatoes. Yeah, and then and uh, <laughs> you know uh, I noted, and we weren't overly close with the neighbor. They were very nice people, but I noticed that my daughter was was more comfortable with the neighbor than with me. So I just I had an epiphany. I said, "That's it. I'm closing my my office." That day. That day, and that was it. It was a one. It was, it was a, a minute, lightning strike. I made moment. a decision, and yeah, it was it, it was a fluke and. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not doing this anymore. So it took me a year to close up my practice. How many employees did you have, if any? You know, at times I would have, you know, six or so times I was, you know. Okay. Well, and then I just started scaling down. But so I was also flipping houses at the time. And then, you know, one, one day I was walking I was rarely in Kingston. I was living down in New Paltz at the time. But I went into one of the, you know, lunch places, and there was a guy there, and he said, Ah, Paul, you know, you, uh, the commissioner jurors just retired. You should go for that job. You'd be great at that. And I'd always thought that it was a, a county job, and there was a political job, and I said, you know, I'm not involved in politics. Uh, so I didn't really think anything of it. And then I was still in the DA's office, and, and probably a month later I was in the courthouse, and one of the court officers said, you know, would you ever think about practicing law again, Paul? I said, no, never. I said, what about like a legal department job in the state where you work nine to five? I said, I don't know, maybe. He said, well, you know, here's the website. You should check it out. It'd be nice to have you back in the courthouse. I said, all right. So I, I put it in my pocket and put it in a desk drawer at home. And then probably like a month later, I found it. I got online. I looked and there was the job. And I said, oh, I, it was a state posting. I thought it was a county job. And I said, oh, I didn't know it was a state job. So I applied. I never expected it. And I got the job. Was, How many years ago was this? Ten years. And you became the commissioner of jurors. Yes. Well, what does the commissioner of jurors do? Well, you uh, run the entire jury pool for the county. So you're responsible for... Qualifying jurors, maintaining the jury pool, deciding, you know, how many jurors to call in on a day. You know, you're, you got to work, figure out, you know, what the trial schedule is, sending out summonses, paying the jurors. And, and a lot of it is, is community outreach, too. Yeah. And anyone who's done juryuity, which is, should be everybody who's an adult, you're the guy when, you, when you're in that room with 200 people. Yep. You're the guy who speaks to them and tells them what their, their day is going to be like, right? Yes. And we could talk more about exactly the intricacies of what that's about, but I'd rather talk about how you become a living legend in this particular county as like the as a commissioner of jurors like none other. And I think it's because you you know, you don't just go up there and say, Okay, you're gonna sit here all day and you might be called for a jury 
And if you do, this will happen. You don't do that. You you kind of you kind of talk to the jurors in a way that other commissioner jurors don't. How so? Well, I mean, like any any job, you have to engage people. You know, that's your job. I believe very strongly. Wait, Tim Tim's had jobs. I don't think he's ever engaged anybody. I think Tim engages everybody that he comes in contact with. Tim Mostly, engaged me. He engaged <laughs> only if you want to play foosball. He'll engage yeah. you. Well, but I don't you think know. Tim's engaging. But you but you think every job should have engagement. So. Yeah. I, I, so I, how do you engage these people? Uh. I believe very strongly in the jury system, and I, you know, I let people know how important it is. Where we are in, in this county has a has a very rich historic tradition. Refer to some of those people as a way to sh- to get people to realize that when they're there for jury service, they're they're part of something bigger than just coming in on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it is. Uh, you know, especially in today in in the world today when everything is so divisive. And everybody, you know, people think that their voice doesn't matter. It does. You know, you want to change things, change things. Yep. You got to, you you know, if you want to just bitch about it all the time and do nothing, yeah. You know, isn't that what Einstein said? That's the definition of insanity is, yep. you know, doing, doing the same, same thing, thing again, again. Yep. And, and expecting a different outcome. Yep. So you can do, you can change things. And in fact, you know, most people's only interaction as a citizen in this country is often just being a juror, right? Like, what, it, when else do you have to do anything? It usually is. And you know what? I think traditionally jurors... Tim, are you falling asleep during this part? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love jury duty. It's, it's my, one of my favorite things. <laughs> he's, he's just resting on my shoulder. He's just resting Why on my shoulder. Why don't we have a camera right now? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'd like to read something from an article I printed out earlier today. It's from April 14, 2014. Quote, Right around lunchtime in Uptown Kingston, you're likely to bump into Commissioner of Jurors Paul T. O'Neill. That's you. Mm-hmm. You're always in for a rosy exchange of pleasant schmooze, clever wit, or perhaps some smart snark. I can't even say this. If you're so inclined. O'Neill is seamlessly cordial, polished, always quick to hold the door. Though it's highly unlikely one would ever refer to him as old-fashioned, he's like an image from torn history pages. That doesn't sound like is this, this is not Paul O'Neill is a common name. This is not about you. There's right? another Paul O'Neill. In is that the Yankee? Is that the New York Yankee? <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah this is not you, right? I just no, want to that's, make sure. that's that's you know, that's the problem with Google. Everyone just Googles things they think yeah. they know stuff. I okay. wrote that. <laughs> I put that up. So so Paul, this is actually all jokes aside. This is about Paul because you're known in this county as not just a commissioner of jurors, kind of like the <clears throat> ombudsman historian of the town is that somewhat fair uh yeah i'm an amateur historian i would say no yeah. how'd you get into history because when I, I knew you in college i don't remember you ever talking about history no because we were probably <laughs> drunk <laughs> i was saying it you just don't remember i talked about it all the time <laughs> if you were talking about history all the time i don't think we would have been uh, i would talk about it you guys would talk about alf <laughs> And Mel Mack. And <laughs> Mel Mack, of course, the planet yeah. from Al- where yeah. Al was from. <laughs> so we were, you know, the conversation stalled. So you were always into history. We just didn't pick yeah. it up. You guys chose not to. <laughs> you guys chose to see me as very one-dimensional. One yeah, we didn't yeah. treat you with the full. Yeah. But, but you love history. I do. Um, and you love the history of this particular county in New York. Yes. 
because it was the capital of it's New just, York. It's a very interesting place. But every place has its history. You just got to look at it. I couldn't agree more. In, in fact, my little town in Irvington, New York, um, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, I don't know if you know this, Tim. Is this a Sleepy Hollow thing where mm-hmm. the, the Headless Horseman rode through? No. <laughs> no, but that was written by Washington Irving, who lived in, in Irvington and is the namesake of the town. And we have some mansions from the ultra-rich who moved there in the late 1800s. And the bottom line of this story is that in the fall, I'm hoping to be giving tours ah. of the area well, and the history. I will definitely come down and I'm going to tell you. Will you heckle me? I will heckle you. But I will come to your juror thing and heckle you. Be my guest. <laughs> You'd be one of a couple hundred that are doing that. That's what's not coming out in that paper. And you know, I think that probably you know your listeners want to hear more about you and Tim at college. And I can tell, you know, you know. <laughs> tell, tell tell any story you want about me and Tim in college. Well, which ones can I tell? You know, uh, we could tell them all. Tell any of them. Tell any of them. We can always delete it. I mean college was that was the time that we all spent together like you said Tim and I are this is the first time in probably 20 years we spent it was just two years but it just seems like a lifetime in a way like we spent two years not even two years right college is nine months 18 months together they're they're definitely formative years and you know and you look at at the at the podcast you've done some of them are your family and some of your friends, but a Sorry lot of them that, are. By the way. That's no problem. They were enjoyable, uh, but they're people you met in college. So we're talking. How long has it been since we graduated? Why? You know, this is a f- short I've period seen, of time. I've seen studies on this. Most the average person makes their most you know deep friendships when they're younger, like in college or young, or even high school. Why? Why do they stop? Why does it become more difficult to make deep friendships? Like. We, we, we spent 18 months together. We're still here 30 years later. Why don't you have more friends, or I have more friends from when I was 40 that, you know, I can have You know, I think the friends you make when you're younger, you, you don't have the responsibilities. You don't have the restrictions. You know, we, we did some pretty great things. Like what? You know, most of them can't be repeated without, <laughs> you know, without so there are statute of limitations. Everybody and, wants to keep their job here yeah. except for Tim. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it, it's a, it, it's certainly a special time in everybody's life. You know, you, you, it's a big change the first time you're out on your own. Um, and you know, I don't know about other people, but we had a great time. So it's you know, we didn't go to Vietnam and in, in foxholes, but in a sense, we had these intense experiences, and they last I, longer. You know, the comparison of of fighting in a war and going to college, or you know. That's that's did, night and day. No, didn't, didn't Donald Trump make that comparison? He could have, but uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's way out of line. <laughs> we're, 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 what we did at college doesn't compare. I felt like compare. it was like going to war in a way, keeping well, Tim out of fights, keeping Jack out of fights. <laughs> you know, it was war. It, it wasn't war. Um, no, I don't. I don't think it was war. It was. Uh, it, well, one thing. One thing that happened. I mean, when when all was said and done, and Brian and I eventually graduated college, we said. It was really like four years of great adventure. Yeah. Four and a half for some yeah. people. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's really what college was. I mean, believe me, there was a lot of studying, a lot of time in the library. Oh, you keep saying that. You never you know, studied. And, I, you and, know, and, I, and my I, son is listening to this podcast. I said too many. Well, I listened to Tim's podcast, and, and it was interesting because it's just as you said. I don't remember Tim studying Ever. once. Not once. I remember walking into the room, and Tim would always be lying on, on his bed. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, shoes on, just lying there, kind of <laughs> draped with a blanket, sometimes just seemingly staring out into space. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, It's like David Putty on Seinfeld. Yeah. But, but not, he was never studying. Never studying. Well, I did all my studying at the science library. You may remember it. <laughs> it was like like there was the library, the Glen G. Bartle Library everyone went to, and then there was the science you, library. Which where was nobody like, went to. Well, nobody went. It was so quiet. Like, like if somebody dropped a pin, you would hear it. And it that's just, where you spent all your time. Uh, well, you know, I mean, if I wasn't in my dorm, I was probably there. Uh, Tim, Tim, he, you he know, was always in the dorm. You know, something. <laughs> I want to confront him on this. I'm sorry. We're going to end it. We're over an hour here, so we're going to close it up. But, Tim. You, I really have to go now. It's been great. <laughs> <laughs> Your son has just finished two years of college. Yes. He's on the honors list, right? Uh, yes, yes. He's, Dean's list. He, yeah, whatever it's called. He's doing really well, right? So far, he's done well. So, you know, instead of kind of like selling this bill of goods to Paul, who you haven't seen in 25, 30 years, why don't you be honest and just say who you are? Let's, let's, I mean, I don't I didn't even to. know Tim had a son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I did. I thought I he was sterile. <laughs> who, who would marry Tim? What were the odds? <laughs> no, my, my son understands that it, studying is important because you can't get good grades without at least a little studying. I'm not saying you can't have some fun, too. So are we still... Shakespeare gonna... for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, uh, Tim, I need you... If, to... t- if Tim spent... A millionth of the time studying <laughs> that he did playing foosball. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, I think... Where, where could he that be? Right yeah, maybe, where, could he be? where could he be? Maybe once a week on Thursday nights we'd Here? play a little foosball. <laughs> Sitting in my, in my <laughs> living room. We're gonna, I want to end on a story about, that you have about Paul instead of Paul is going to say about himself. He's only going to make himself look good. That's true. That's true. If Paul, I could. Paul does look if good. I, I got to say, he looks better now than he did in the 80s. Does he? I oh, think so. You, I think he does. No, no offense. To anyone who's not here. Well, I'm going to give you... I'm you know, <coughs> one of my favorite stories about, like, say, dorm life was another difference between, say, the third floor. We had a game in the... in the Oh, my God! In the elevator uh, called <laughs> Molecule, which if you... Molecule was in, in the elevator... I think it's plural. Molecules, right? I always call them molecules, Tim. but it, it's all right. You were molecules. Either, either was fine. Basically, and it, there's three floors in a basement. So there's four floors, the, the elevator to go up and down, and you could turn the light on or off. And, the, the and game, you could stop the elevator's progress. Yes, you could. But the, molecules, when if you got in, there's people in there, someone turned the lights off, and everybody just smashed into each other and beat like each other. Like a mosh pit kind of yes, scene. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you have people who weren't, who didn't know. <laughs> that uh, that's what that's <laughs> what happened because I don't think it happened anywhere else except for Shenango. <laughs> you think it was unique to our and I have never in my life since been in an elevator where someone played molecule. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> shut, Believe me, I've tried. Shut the light off. I've tried. Turn the elevator off and yeah. just start yeah. mosh pitting in the dark. Yeah. Um, oh but, right, we used to stop the elevator. You would course. actually shut the elevator off so it wouldn't move at all. That's right. And <laughs> so it would always be interesting, you know, maybe like parents are visiting and then they're waiting for the elevator. And then when the <laughs> elevator opens up, everybody comes out and they're bleeding, their shirts are ripped. Uh, that was a great but we did we do that like every time we got the like was what was the frequency often. of it? It was often. often. It Whatever depends. you thought of it. Because it what? wasn't it wasn't just you. Anybody could do it. <laughs> so say you went in and you and you're in a rush and you're going to class. And you get in the elevator, and then somebody <laughs> shuts the elevator off. Somebody shuts the elevator off. 
Next thing you know, you come out, you're, you know, you've you got a flat lip, your books are gone. Um, I do remember getting a flat lip from molecules. Like, it was rough. Like, you couldn't see what was going on. Yeah, it was fun. That- it was fun. I, I, I miss molecule. I always try and, I ask people if I get in the elevator, say I'm visiting, yeah. I go to the Empire State Building. Yeah, I you say to the people, hey, you guys ever play molecule? <laughs> <laughs> and it's always, by the way, it's unfortunate because you're on the third floor here. I know, we don't have an elevator. It's a walkout. But, you know, we can, we can pound each other in the stairwell. I, if we don't do that, that would be... We'll close our eyes. It sounds a bit dangerous to me. <laughs> All right. I, I have one more quick story that, okay. I, that I just remembered. Oh, by Mr. Shaw is speaking up finally. Here we go. There was a time when we used to play football in the main lounge. <laughs> and it was a three-on-three. I remember, Paul, you were a big part of this. We, <laughs> we would play in the main lounge, like on the cement floor. And, and we would tackle each other and... People got really hurt, as I recall. One guy like had to go to had to go to the infirmary with a broken ankle or something. But it was great. We played literally tackle football in the main lounge. It's funny you say that. To this day, my ankle clicks. If it uh, once I can click my ankle because of the you know you got you one of you guys landing on it. Like, I'm sorry, it was me. <laughs> well, uh, you were a wonderful guest. Well, thank you. And you know, and. I, don't, I mean, there's a million things we could have talked about, and, we, and know, a million things we couldn't talk about. Jack, Hal, you know, we didn't get into them. Russ, Russ, yeah, a wonderful time, a wonderful time. And you guys, you two, made it. We're, we're very critical in making it that. Well, well, Tim's left now to go to the bathroom. Yeah. He's got a small bladder. That's so, right. uh, do you want to say you want to leave with any thought, any statement? No. The floor is yours. You just no. want to just... No, listen, I appreciate you you having me on. Uh, Bride Time is certainly my favorite <laughs> podcast. First podcast you ever listened to, right? No, no, I've listened to... What's, your other, what, what's one of your other favorite podcasts? Yeah, I haven't. I, <laughs> it's the only podcast, but it's wonderful. Uh, you, and, you discover podcasts. You know, if, I could, if I could leave you with anything, it would be, please, take Tim in. Take Tim in. You two belong to each other. If you guys can share a room, your wives can have another room. Work it out. They, they can work it out. Paul, I, I, can't, I can't end better than that. Okay. Tim's. Tim. Tim can. Tim, you're back from the bathroom. You get the last word, Tim. Thank you very much. <laughs>